boys. Uh, we're so humbly glad to be here this morning, and we just want to thank you first and foremost for your generous support of Temple Bible College. It is a place where iron sharpens iron. It is a place where saints are edified and built up so that they may return back to their home churches and be better to expound and expostulate the word of God for the interpretation of the saints. Amen. I want to call your attention this morning to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Amen. And we want to look at Romans chapter 8 this morning, and we want to encourage the mothers this morning because motherhood is not easy. Uh, we're living in a time where children are going astray. No parental guidance. Mothers are those that come home and nurture the family and have to work at the same time and have to deal with the pressures of life as well. And we want to encourage mothers and all saints in this message this morning. As we look at Romans 8, I would like to call your attention to verse number 28. And it says, and we know that all things work together to the good of them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You may be seated. We would like to use a subject this morning for the mothers in the house. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Hang in there. It's going to get better. Amen. On any given Sunday, we as the people of God can walk into the sanctuary and have an outer appearance that everything is all right in our lives. <clears throat> the impression that we often exhibit is that never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you down. Or even I can look my best even at my worst. But yet below the surface, everything is not as it appears to be. When we come to church, we not only come here to worship and praise and give thanks, but we come here to find refuge from the adversities which affect each and every one of us. Things you did not bring on yourself that you've had to deal with. And now you're here to find comfort and solace and to maybe get a word from the Lord. I don't know about you, but from my own personal experience, when I come into the sanctuary, it is a place where I can shut the world out because now I am under the wings of the shadow of the Almighty God, the King of glory. But there's something else that he knows about me, and that is, and each and every one of us, is that our lives are as an open book before him. There is nothing that we can hide from him because we are all transparent in his sight. God does not look on the outer appearance of man. He looks at the heart. He knows what troubles us. He knows what keeps us up all night long. He knows that when we weep, joy is going to come in the morning. 
Some of us have had to deal with extreme weariness this week in life. And life has pushed you in some instances, you feel as if you can't go on any further. I don't know about you, but have there ever been times when you felt like giving up? And then some of us have to deal with extreme pressures. Circumstances has made us feel like we're about to explode. And you probably just said, I, I can't take it anymore. I don't know if you've ever felt exhausted and in despair and tired and weighed down, ready to stop and collapse. For some of uh, our young brothers and sisters, life can sometimes appear to be overwhelming. But whatever the case may be, sometimes you may wonder what tomorrow holds and find yourself trying to work out things which you really have no power over. And sometimes question whether God is really aware of our circumstances. But listen, in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, when I think about that, um, it comes to mind my grandmother. When I was a little boy and my siblings and I often spent uh, a lot of time with my grandmother on the weekends. And we did not have the video games. We did not have the Nintendos, the Octaris, and all these other things that kids have today. So my grandmother would oftentimes do things with us. She, we, she had us build puzzles. You know, we started out with a hundred piece. When we got good with a hundred piece, she would get us a 500 piece. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? She'd get us a 500 piece puzzle. We mastered that. Then she would get us a thousand piece. I heard somebody out there. Come on now. If you know what I'm talking about, you must be from the old school. We didn't have all that time to watch TV. Uh, we did recreational things together, my siblings and I. And oftentimes, we would find ourselves, even if the right piece looked like the wrong piece, we would try to make it work, and it didn't work sometimes. And then we would get frustrated and begin to walk away. You know, one by one, we would begin to peel off, coming from the task of putting those complicated puzzles together. And then my grandmother would just sit there and continue to work on those 1,500-piece puzzles by herself. We would come back all together and say, look what we did. She completed everything that was left. And then my grandmother would take and put a piece of glass over the puzzle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or I heard some grandmothers would even glue it down now, you know, to preserve that panoramic view of whatever scenery was on that particular puzzle. And for many of us, this is exactly what life has become. There are often times when life seems like a big jigsaw puzzle, and we become frustrated and try to walk away, but we learn that we can't. 
And oftentimes, this is where we began to cry out to the Lord. This just doesn't fit. There are times when we see ourselves trying to force the pieces of life together, but it just doesn't fit. Uh, sometimes things don't fit our schedules, and sometimes things don't fit our plans and interrupt our agendas. The pieces just don't fit. Paul wrote to the church at Rome, Christians who were known throughout the entire Roman Empire for their faith. Yet, it was a church that was undergoing great persecution. They kept the faith. They labored in the face of hostility. They knew what it meant to sacrifice for the kingdom. Yet they entered this period of great persecution, and Paul wrote in his eighth chapter of this great book, and we know that all things work together to the good of them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Paul was writing to Christians who were going to go through, going to be persecuted to the point that they would begin to ask why is God allowing this to happen to me? He was writing to a group of people who were beginning to wonder, does God really care? He was writing to a people who would wonder if God even had abandoned them. They were going to be frustrated over the fact that they would not know where the pieces went or how they fit together. And Paul is saying this morning when we face the puzzles of life and we need to understand that God knows where all the pieces go and how they fit together. It's a critical piece this morning because I want you to see in God's word this morning for yourselves what God says to us through his word. Number one, God assures us that his design for our lives will not be frustrated. Paul says, we know. And the word that he uses means that we know with an understanding and with a certainty, with assurance that in the midst of life, when adversities overtake us, this will not frustrate the will of God for our lives. It's not a feel so. It's not a guess so. It's not a suppose so but it's a I know so kind of knowing. It's a fact beyond the reasonable shadow of a doubt. How many times have you said, if I could only know the outcome, if I only knew what was going to happen next, your health may change. And this can happen to most people at any age. And you find yourself having to frequently visit the doctor and you want to know how things would turn out because the test that you took, the results would not come back until a week later. But yet you find yourself pondering over the negatives before the positives. Or maybe you're faced with the surgeries and you want to know ahead of time how things might come out for the betterment of your health. Or maybe you were in a courtroom you know he is a lawyer in a courtroom. Or maybe you're with a family member in a courtroom. And 
the faith of one's future lies in the presiding justice and anxieties will keep you on edge. Perhaps you asked, how does this fit in my life? Paul tells us that when we go through moments of adversities, when we face the times of crisis, we know that God's predestined will for our lives cannot be frustrated. Let me see if I can make it plain here this morning. First, if you understand this, we know by revelation. Whenever Paul uses the phrase, we know, it is always linked with the revealed will of God. We know because God has revealed this knowledge through us, through his word. God has given us the assurance through revelation that no matter what happens, he will work it out for our ultimate good. Let Let me call on a witness this morning. Come here, Joseph. You remember Joseph in Genesis 42, 36? Yes, sir. Listen to what Joseph had to say. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Can you see what this man is going through, Jacob? And then listen to what he says. He felt like giving up. He felt like throwing in the towel. Jacob had been told that Joseph had been killed. Reuben had been the disgrace. Judah had been dishonored. They had taken and broken their father's heart. Diana had been defiled. Simeon was in prison. Jacob's beloved wife, wife, Rachel, was dead. Now famine threatened his family in order to get food. The chief uh, chief advisor of of Pharaoh now wants Benjamin to come back to Egypt. But what Jacob did not know, that he was about to be be reunited with his son, whom he had thought had been dead for many years, to say nothing about the fact that he was about to enter a very prosperous time in his life. But listen to what his son said to his brothers. What you meant for evil, God meant it for good. We know that no matter how bad things may be, no matter how life seems to fall apart, no matter how puzzling it may be, nothing will frustrate the will of God for our lives. Look at Israel for a minute. Look at Israel for a minute. No one had a a brighter future than these Hebrews. No one had more promises than they did. But yet they became the biggest failures in human history. Wait a minute, preacher. They refused to enter the promised land. They begged for a king rather than to depend on God's lordship. The kingdom split. They fell into idolatrous worship. The northern kingdom was taken into captivity, never to return. The southern kingdom was invaded, but a remnant eventually will return to their homeland. The Old Testament closed, and there was no word from God for 400 years. But yet, out of the failures, 
the disappointments, the mistakes, and the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman to fulfill what the prophets had declared, that he would come as the Messiah. So from Revelation, we know no matter what happens, it will not frustrate, alter, or change God's ultimate will for our lives. Second, we know by limitation. Paul places emphasis on limitations. And this is the second way that we can know that nothing will frustrate God's plans for our lives. And the limitation is that this is only for those who love the Lord. It is only for those who love the Lord. The apostle makes it clear that God works all things together of the good of them that love the Lord. You see, many are called, but few are chosen. And the chosen ones have to respond to the call. Now, for those who respond to the call and are chosen, he says, all things work together to the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose, which means there is nothing in your destiny that can keep you from where God wants you to be. Excuse me, let me get a shout right here. Yes! I feel something happening here. It's a critical piece because I want you to know and understand that I am chosen. And being chosen is something that happens in our lives every day. And that is, we seek to be chosen. We seek to be chosen in relationships, man and woman. We seek to be chosen when it comes to getting a job. No matter how many applicants there are, we seek to be chosen. We seek to be chosen when it comes to being promoted and getting a raise. And we do a lot of stuff in order to get somebody to choose us. Well, isn't it wonderful to know that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world? Which means that before I got here, I was already slated, preordained to walk in the path that God has prescribed. And since God chose me, there is no devil in hell that can unchoose what God has chosen. Oh, yeah, I'm already taken. I can rejoice on that. Tell your neighbor, I'm already taken. I'm already taken. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm already taken. And I say that with some joy because I have been refuting the term that people use often, and that is, the devil should have killed me when he had me. And now, of course, the question now becomes, in light of the fact that I'm chosen in him before the foundation of the world, when did the devil really have me? If God chose me before I got here, the devil never ever had me. He acted like he had me. I acted like he had me. Uh-huh, come on now. I cut up like he had me. He tried to do everything to hurt me, but I wasn't his. I was out there, but I wasn't his. I was on drugs, but I wasn't his. I was on alcohol, but I wasn't his. In spite of what I've had to deal with, I was always God's. 
I was a fool, but I was still always God. Touch your neighbor and say, the preacher's being transparent this morning. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The testimony is, look where the Lord has brought me from. Amen. Amen. Preordained to walk in the path that God has prescribed. Amen. Amen. And, you know, when I think about that, I think about the time the man brought his son to Jesus. Remember? The disciples couldn't heal him. And Jesus said to the man, how long has this boy been going through this trouble? And the man said, since he was a child, Satan tried to drown him and the demons tried to burn him up. Well, that's your first miracle. Since he was a child, God kept him from being drowned, kept him being, from, being consumed until the deliverance came. And the same God that's working in your life right now kept you from being drowned, kept you from losing your mind until the deliverance came. Amen. And if he couldn't kill you then, he sure can't kill you now. Uh-huh. You see, for those who reject Christ and have no love for the Lord, listen to what Paul said in Romans 1.18. He says that the wrath of God is revealed against those who do not love him. But look at Psalms 84.11. It says, for the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You see what the psalmist is saying? No good thing does the Lord withhold from them that love him. Maybe you're asking how, how God is going to work this out in my life. But no matter how bad it may be, from revelation to limitation, I want you to know that your life cannot be frustrated. Perhaps you're thinking, I can't see it yet, preacher. Let me explain the significance. God is able to take the pressures, the stress, the emergency crisis, the adversities of it all, and work it out to our, our ultimate good. Uh, you remember in 2 Kings, the woman who, who lost her husband, and she went to the prophet and said, my husband is dead. You remember that woman? And she said to the man of God, but I knew he feared the Lord. He was one of the prophets that had, when, when Elisha was up in Mount Carmel and said, Lord, I am the only one who stands here. And the Lord said, wait a minute. You are not by yourself. I got 7,000 that had not bowed to Baal. This is one of the prophets in that school because there was a school for the prophets at that time. And so the woman took the prophet, the man of God at his word, and she said, he said to her, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing save a pot of oil. All right. Took the man of God at his word, went out into, she went out into the communities, borrowed all the pots she can. The man of God blessed her with a miracle, yes, filled up every pot. Her creditors were paid off. You know about your creditors now. Some of you sisters in here, mothers have had hard times 
and you're dealing with creditors this morning, 877-866, well, I got to call out some more numbers, 800, everybody's blowing up your phone. I want you to take the man of God at, work, at his word this morning. Nothing, nothing will frustrate the will of God. What do you mean, Paul? All things work together to the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Perhaps Paul was thinking back over the things that happened in his life since his conversion. Five times Paul said, I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked in dangers of rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own countrymen, danger of the Gentiles. I've had sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, without food. I was naked, cold, and exposed. And then look what he says in the next verse of Corinthians 11, 24 through 27. He says, and I had to deal with the mess that church folk put me through. It's in the word. What do you mean, Paul? You had to deal with the mess that church folk put you through. Well, you see, preacher, I had to deal with schisms in the church. I've had to deal with incest in the church. I've had to deal with sexual immoralities in the church. And if you read on, preacher, in Romans chapter 14, you will discover that I had to deal with people who were judgmental in the church. But through it all, I was able to teach them to keep the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Through it all, I was able to teach them to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is the good and perfect will of God. Through it all, I was still able to give God glory and the praise. God's plan has two purposes, our good and his glory. If he can't get any glory out of your life, then you need to reassess why are you holding back on him. Paul says that God and his sovereignty was able to take all those things and work them together for the good that they should actually profit his life. I know what the pieces of your life, I don't know what the pieces of your life look like, but I know this, there are some of those that love the Lord in here this morning, then he is sovereignly putting all those pieces all those hurts, all those pains, all those adversities, all the things of your past together to work them for your good. God can take our sins, he can take our past mistakes and work them all out for his good. Third, let's look at the source. Paul did not say that it was chance or happenstance or coincidence or faith that did this. He specifically said that the source for the working out of the good in our lives was the living and reigning God. The psalmist said, what is man 
that thou art mindful him, or mindful of him. God knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He knows your adversities. More than anything else, God can often take what he wants that happens in your life to bring you closer to him. And we need to know this morning, to, we need to allow God to work things out for us. Many times we have tried to force those pieces together with my grandmother and we became frustrated and tried to fit and force those pieces together. And we began to disfigure the ends of the puzzle. Pieces that were times, uh, there were times when the pieces, as we argue, doesn't fit. And when there's times that when the wrong piece looked like the right piece and the right piece was the wrong piece. And when it's in the wrong position, it throws off the whole puzzle. And this is exactly what happens in our life when we try to get ahead of God. God can take those pieces and fit them all together. And God wants us to depend on him to work all these things out in our lives. I will put my trust in God. Uh, when we start trying to force the issues and plans and ideas, it gets all messed up. And I want you to see the string of verbs that Paul begins to use this morning in this eighth chapter when we allow God to work to fit these pieces together. Tell your neighbor, God called me. And God does not call anything that he can't keep. God called us this morning. And often he says that in his word that how can they hear except they hear the preacher. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing cometh by the word of God. For those him whom he foreknew, them he also called and predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Whom then he had called, he justified. Justified, glorified. What shall we say to these things this morning? That if God be for us, who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of God this morning? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God this morning. My sisters, hang in there. It's going to get better. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your family. But hang in there. He may not come home tonight. He may stay out with another woman. But hang in there. Stay faithful to the Lord. And he will work it out for your ultimate good. Stay with your children when they go wayward and don't come home. Pray for them. As I come to a close this morning, there may be somebody in here this morning who does not know the Lord. There may be someone who does not have a relationship with the Lord. And Pastor Venice is now going to come and give you that opportunity to come to Jesus. God bless you. Amen.